Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast that this time next week, in all likelihood, will know whether the Bills have won a football game or not. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. We might be, we might be at the end of the game holding on to our butts a little, but uh, Bills Jets is officially less than a week away. Um, we never thought it would happen. Uh, the, the air has turned crisp here in, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, I, I think D.C. is still warm. And uh, the UK, of course, it's uh, it's now spring, I believe, in the UK where Scott is. Um, so it's only sp- raining six days a week. Precisely. And so yeah. in spring. Oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to just say spring is the time when when football teams make their cuts and their and their keeps. Absolutely. That is that is the time. It's the time in England when the Bewixtons are in the flax and hams and the flax and shorns are in the tea wigglers so that's what i've learned so far here what do we call cut down day in the english premier league right i don't know um i know that it's like we personal relegation personal relegation (laughs) and uh right you're on the dole now um you, you did not pay your soccer license but the bills uh did pay their football license the the buffalo bills go ahead and make their cuts they are down to 53 men. Uh, there are allegedly notable stays and there are allegedly notable cuts. Um, Paul, uh, which has given us a a, um, a a short list here, but I have the full list released from the Bills. I'll just read them. Uh, pour one out. Quarterback Davis Webb, running back Antonio Williams, and running back Christian Raid. And I already don't want to do all these names. So um, <laughs> how do we want to do this? Do we, uh, we have the... Uh, these are the notable roster uh, stays, according to Paul. Uh, defensive end uh, Trent Murphy, quarterback Jake Fromm, uh, TJ Yeldon, uh, running back, fullback Reggie Gilliam, uh, linebacker Terrell Dodson, and linebacker Delshawn Phillips. Uh, Gilliam, of course, has room because uh, the other fullback, Patrick DeMarco, on season-ending IR, and he only had one season left with the Bills, and damned if they didn't try and keep him uh 600 year old patrick demarco um this might be the best thing of all possible worlds though because they get to keep him right paul but they don't actually have to use him right exactly and i think uh, demarco he became more expendable to be on the regular roster when reggie gilliam who i think they've now officially switched to tight end but he's going to be a fullback uh or at least an h back in this offense uh he played well on special teams and they felt like he could do the job on uh on offense in this way when he gets his what did demarco have usually about eight to ten snaps a game on offense and then you You've got a, a younger guy. He gets groomed, and Demarco, who's considered a team leader, stays in the locker room. So I think uh, all situations win in that regard. Quarterback, running back, uh, Scott uh, Davis Webb, Jacob Fromm, Christian Wade, of course, fellow Brit Christian Wade, cut, possibly going to come back to practice squad. Give us your thoughts on that or any other part of the roster. Sure. So I mean, with with Fromm. You know, I assume that is mostly them just not wanting to um, not wanting to to cash out on a guy and that it was more likely that Davis Webb would be available rather than Jake Fromm under the theory that Jake Fromm was a was a fifth round pick and had some value and maybe had some fans out there. Um, The Bills lost. I saw Vincent Taylor was somebody that they cut, but was then later picked up by, I think, somebody. The Dolphins and the Jets and the Lions. Or I'll something see if I can like. find it. Yeah. So like, so that is that is half the rationale why you're putting some people out on the street for cuts is, um, you know, that some guys might do it. So like somebody like somebody was saying that Hodgins is a guy who, as a fifth round pick, like yeah, he didn't perform like how he wanted in camp, but you don't want to let him go on the street either because he may not have the trust in you that you're going to bring him back on the practice squad. And there may be teams that may be trying to get him. So that's the deal, I think, with Fromm. And Webb, Webb's definitely on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I was kind of surprised by Murphy, um, but but not terribly so. Because this team, this management t- team has always kind of approached it as, um, I think, 
the value of a player is more than just the X's and O's and the, and what they're doing kind of day to day on the field, that mm-hmm. there is a leadership and intangible perspective to it. And so they, they, you know, McDermott was signaling pretty hard last week that that was something that he saw Trent Murphy have. And uh, another guy who Paul didn't, didn't mention, but Isaiah McKenzie was one oh, yep. where people were like, boy, you get, uh, Andre Roberts can do a lot of those things, and he's a Pro Bowl returner. Whereas Isaiah McKenzie, he's a nice gadget guy, but is he really with worth a, a roster spot when we already have what is suddenly now a very deep receiving core? And Brian Dable was very much like, yes, absolutely, we need to keep Isaiah McKenzie. He's a great guy in the locker room. He works really hard. Um, we can do a lot of things with him. And that's that seemed to be enough um, to get to get him in. And I'm not totally opposed to it. I mean, it's it's always a question of value of like, well, geez, do you want Isaiah McKenzie or do you want, you know, pick a pick a, you know, Evan Bohm or, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, or or Vincent Taylor would be the yeah. ob- would be the choice would be the guy who, you know, and, and but that, again, like that's another position where it's like, well, we're 40 deep at defensive line. So maybe we don't need that other tackle either. So. You know, in in that sense, there were there. You know, those were two areas where we could afford to um, leave some guys cut or keep some guys. Um, I am still concerned about this team's corner depth. It kind of mm-hmm. it it turned into a bit of an issue at various points in this McDermott reign of where we have like, well, we've got uh, three guys who can play on the outside and two guys who can play on the inside, and that's it. And we're just going to roll with that. And if somebody uh, gets hurt, that, that's why you got, keep Isaiah McKenzie there, Scott, right there. So, so. He can sit corner like he did against the Jets. Right. <laughs> like it, that just seems incredibly like short sighted. And, and for a, a, a team that's done a pretty good job at finding the good defensive backs, let's let's go ahead and like just just keep more and more. That, like, it's just a little concerning. So, so they that, might. That, yeah. And I, and I think some of this is about who I think you're right, who they can cut and and. And, and feel like they can get back versus who they, they don't think they can get back. I wonder if Trent Murphy makes the... I know that Star Latule is a, a ta- nose tackle and not a, a defensive end, but, I mean, is is a guy like Trent Murphy the last guy on? And if Star Latule is available, you know, does that push him out, right? Because... And so it could just be a function of he got a little bit lucky, too. The Bills have also, and this is pretty new, as of 3 o'clock this afternoon, signed 17 players to the practice squad, including a number of people listed as cut. So you've got Trey Adams, Nate Becker, Evan Boehm, Brian Cox Jr. comes back, uh, Jason Kroon comes back, Dane Jackson comes back, Cam Lewis comes back, Mike Love comes back. Right? (laughs) Victor Salako, Andre Smith, Josh Thomas, Christian Wade back on the team, Brandon Walton, Davis Webb on the practice squad, Antonio Williams, Duke Williams, and Justin Zimmer. Um, so with Webb being on the practice squad, like he's now available to switch places with Jake for, uh, from on a on a game day where you could in a in a pinch, if the, if a quarterback's out, you could bring him up as a quarterback um, and and put him ahead of from, but not necessarily have to um, you know cut from to make that happen. Uh, I'm with you. I think the corner depth is a little bit is a little bit weird, especially with Norman and and um, uh, sorry, yeah, with Levi Wallace both nicked up. Uh, I mean, Josh Norman basically didn't practice. I feel like for a week and a half to two weeks, uh, Levi Wallace here at the end of the end of training camp gets a little hurt, but they keep him. That said, I don't know. Um, given that you could, they brought back. I think all three of these guys, Jackson, Lewis, and, and Allen, I mean, those guys are all practice squad guys now. I guess with the bigger practice squad, you have the opportunity to be a little thin up front. And I apologize. They only brought back Jackson and Lewis. They didn't bring back the other guy. Um, maybe they feel like that there's going to be a little bit more room um, to to play there, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, that spot being taken up elsewhere. Uh Certainly good depth at linebacker. I felt like I was pretty impressed. You know, Edmonds, Milano, Klein, like that, that's a that's a pretty good starting three. And then, you know, one, two, three, another three guys. Um, defensive end, offensive line. Offensive line is like, I mean, we've got like 50, off, we got 10 offensive linemen, which is a lot. And then you brought Brock Bowen and Salako, 
they're on the practice squad, and Trey Adams. So that's three more. That's 13. Um, Feliciano will probably get put on like a short-term IR. Right. Oh, there's, there's. This is why I keep Twitter open. We've had news since this podcast started that I'll, I'll jump in with when I'm. I'm well, I mean, hey, what better time than now? What better time than now? As of 14 minutes ago, per the Buffalo Bills Twitter account, they have signed uh, two guys you may have heard of, oh, Saquon yeah. Marlowe and wide receiver Andre Roberts, and offensive lineman John Feliciano and wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins have been placed on IR, which uh, this year it's like 1990s IR, meaning they will be on it for a minimum of three weeks, but can come back at any time. And that goes right. for any player put on IR from today forward. Okay, well, that's good. And I, I guess there was some scuttlebutt that's something to do with how the rosters were signed. That's why one of the reasons they had cut Roberts was they was they felt like they could bring him back safely, um, you know, I don't, I don't understand all the ins and outs of yeah, why they can, that way. I can but... jump in quickly on that real just because Greg Please. asked on, a, on Twitter on this. So Marlowe and Roberts were two guys who had four plus years of experience, meaning when they're cut, they're not subjected to the waiver wire. They just become, they just become free agents and can choose their team. Anyone put on injured reserve before today, though, uh, would mean before the initial 53 is finalized, um, they'd have to be on IR the whole year, which is why we've lost Patrick DeMarco for the season. So the workaround here is you cut two guys who've been here, who've been who have four plus years experience. In this case, Marlon and Roberts, you say to them, hey, we'll bring you back at this salary. Please don't sign elsewhere. They say, no problem, sir. They did this with Kurt Coleman last year, too. Right. Okay. And then they had two guys they knew who weren't going to be available for weeks. And Feliciano and Hodgins said, hey, we need to we want you to come back at some point this season. So we'll keep you on the active roster. But you're going on IR the second we get a chance to. Right. Because if they, if they were subjected to waiver wires, then, of course, you know, other teams can just take them. Yep. So you do have to trust. I mean, Andre Roberts has to trust the team, too. Right. That. Oh, yeah. That, and he has to want to play here and not feel like he can go somewhere else. So, OK, well, that's. That's a good answer. Thank you for, for I feel like I learned something. That's very good. Do we have um I mean Andre Roberts was what I was gonna talk about, but he's back yeah. on the team, so that's that's <laughs> that's that. Um I mean Jason Kroom gone but back. Tommy Sweeney on the pup. Yeah. Rock, I, I feel rock. like everyone who's gone who was kind of notable, well, we have one with, with Robert Foster we could talk about and Vincent Taylor, but Scott's already gone to him a little bit, but the guys who we were thinking, oh, it's going to be a shame if they leave the organization are still with the organization. We've got Duke Williams, who is who played a big role and not always a good role in the playoff game last year, but who's a fan favorite. We've got Christian Wade, uh, who's a favorite, I believe, of all three of ours. I know Frank and I and Scott is our official UK correspondent, so he has to root for him. He's back. How they can, traded for Andre. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. How can you not like Christian Wade? I know. You got to love the guy. Uh, they brought back, they kept all four quarterbacks because Davis Webb is in the room. Mike Love, our favorite beach boy, is back. Um, you know, Andre Smith, who they traded for last week, is back. Dane Jackson, their one dra- 2020 draft pick they cut, is back. Um, and, of course, the great Brian Cox Jr., son of uh, the terrible Brian Cox Sr. Mm-hmm. So, like, they kept and Jason Kroom uh, for the, you know, Pagula relationships, uh, since he's with the, uh, with the daughter, last I heard. Um <laughs> With a daughter, there are several Pugula daughters. So like wow. all the people you might be thinking like, oh, it's a shame to kind of lose this person from the organization. The only ones that jumped out at me were Taylor, who Scott had covered, and then Robert Foster, who signed with the Green Bay practice squad, obviously choosing, I don't know if he was offered a spot on Buffalo squad, but I think he was probably thinking, I am literally wide receiver nine on this depth chart, and I'm not going to move up anytime soon. So for his own future, he probably made that decision. But for all of the... You know, none of the cuts were really shocking. I think we talked about, you guys talked about Trent Murphy staying aboard. I was surprised only that it would have been a cap savings of seven and a half million, which could have been applied to next year when there's going to be some cap tightness. But as, you know, Scott alluded to, these are the guys they like as leaders in the locker room. And he brought up, you know, Isaiah McKenzie is another guy who's well-respected in the the locker room. I think this, I Again, I think Brandon Bean has made a lot of good decisions with this roster, and they're they're well positioned for success in in 2020 and hopefully beyond. We will get to a reason why the roster, sorry, the roster, the salary cap will be a little bit tighter in nearby years. But first, I just want to ask point blank, Scott and Paul. Scott can go first. I'll go first, and then Scott. Um, I think this is easily the best roster the Bills have had in. 
10 years. Like I, I like I, I just and I just sort of just sort of saying 10 years because I, I don't know how far back I want to go. But um, from wide receiver depth to like really like the offensive line has some newer faces, but it's it's pretty stable. Uh, you know, I think I said wide receivers already. Uh, I'm encouraged by the quarterback play. Uh, the defense is the defense. Uh, do you agree or disagree? And do you want to uh, just tell me to calm down or something? I don't know. <laughs> Scott. So, yeah, I am thinking, of, I, I mean, on some level, this is the same team from last year's team, except for minus Lorenzo Alexander, right? Mm-hmm. And plus plus Stefan Diggs, right? Like yeah. Those, if you were headlining this, those would be the big, those would be the big, uh, the big, the big moves. So it's the same team as last year, except you swap in a, a Pro Bowler, uh, you know, borderline All Pro wide receiver for a, you know, you know, leader in the organization and uh, a good linebacker, but admittedly one on the down downside of his career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy who already said he's going to be zooming into some of the linebacker meetings in Lorenzo Alexander. So you're not even losing that leadership. Uh, that's, that's the, yeah, exactly. That's half of it anyway, right? So the only team that I think you can really compl- compare it to probably is the 2017 team that also made the playoffs and was the, you know, the the kind of the transition year where they said, yeah, this team made the playoffs, but this isn't a good enough team to to consistently get there and we want to go in another direction. So we're going to blow the whole thing up. So I'm, I've got that roster up. So that's Tyrod, LaShawn, DeMarco, your wide receivers. It says Patrick start- DeMarco has been around forever. Why has he been around for so long? It has, it, I'm looking at the, and I've never thought of him as a bill. I still think of him as a Falcon. Like I, ne- yes. anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Wide receivers on this team were terrible. This is Jordan Matthews, Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pile of, I, of are any of them even on an NFL roster this year? Maybe Zay. I don't no, think any receiver except for maybe Zay is on a roster. Deontay Thompson might be on a roster, maybe with the Cowboys or something. You had the 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 inimitable Charles. <laughs> he's on Charles. The, he is on the Cowboys Zay roster. Jones, yeah, Zay jo- and Zay Jones is on the Raiders. Um, Charles Clay, who maybe is better than our current tight ends, but only in the aggregate. Like, like Dawson Knox can be better than him, but has he yet to prove it yet? Um, Dion's still there. Eric Wood at center. That's probably about a, a, a draw. Vlad Dukas and Jordan Mills. Jordan Mills, that's maybe a draw. It's probably about, I mean, eh, whatever. And then on defense, Shaq. Uh, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Williams, Adolphus Washington, Jerry Hughes, then Lorenzo Alexander, Preston Brown, Ramon Humber. Yeesh. Though, yeah, Milano wouldn't have gotten in there yet, I don't think. Yeah, he and was, he was a draft White. pick. He paid, played a bit, but he was behind Humber. <laughs> that yeah. sounds so he, he, But he might have taken over by the end of the season, frankly. Yeah. And then Hayden Poyer and EJ Gaines. Um, so, yeah, that is better than that team. And I can't imagine that there's a roster that didn't make those playoffs. Um, that that didn't make the playoffs. That was better than that team. So, yeah, I think the only point where you'd say they were maybe better is is maybe you'd say that Tyrod was a little better. But that's not that's not a strong case. That's not that's not like a lead. It's bond. yeah. It's not it's the lead. Best. Right. It's not the it's not the um when you first draft Josh Allen case where you're like why are we doing this? It's like no he's. He's there. He's there ish, you know, yeah. so if not, hopefully yeah. better. So, yeah. yeah. OK. So that, yeah. So this is definitely the most talented team in the last probably 15 years, I would say. Right, Paul? Since uh, at least I, 2004, I would I'm, say. I'm expanding. I was looking at rosters uh, while Scott was going through the, the 2017 comparison. And I really had to go back to where I can I feel like I can definitively say there's a better roster. I had to go all the way back to 95 Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll do quickly position by position. I'm going to say uh, behind the line of scrimmage, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, a little more proven than Josh Allen and, and Devin Singletary. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to yeah. say, go ahead. And actually, it's 24 years because most of these guys were there in 96. Uh, but Andre Reed, um, Bill Brooks, and then they had uh, Russell Copeland, right? This is right before Molds joined the team. 
they're comparable to the current receivers, but I'd say better than the current receivers. Uh, tight end was Lonnie Johnson. That's pretty equal. The line was Fina Brown, Hull, Ostrowski, Parker. I would say they're they're fairly equal because even though you see, oh, Ken Hull and you have Reuben Brown, like Ken Hull was 34 near the end of the line at this point. Reuben Brown was a rookie, so he hadn't come into his own yet. Uh, Fina, Ostrowski, and Parker were, you know, okay starters for a time. Um, and then defensively, the linebacker core today is better than uh, Perry. That's eh, close. Perry, but then Bennett and Palp. Uh, you can't really, you know. Yeah, Brace Pop defensive MVP. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's hard, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, I'm taking that. But then, and then the line, Hanson, Ted Washington, and Bruce Smith a little. <laughs> Obviously, you know, that's just a great uh, defensive line right there. And then the, the I think the Bills secondary today is better than Burris, Thomas Smith, Henry Jones, and Kurt Schultz. All good players, but not at least, you know, three of the Bills' four starters are Pro Bowl-type players. I'm rec- I'm going to tweet this from our official account recording podcast now. Paul says this is the best team since 1995. 1995. Yeah. Which also is the last season they won a division title. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that almost like you had more better players <laughs> contention for the later playoff runs. Why and weren't you the GM in the 2000s, Scott? We geez. really could have used you at that point. Let's talk about cornerback uh, for a second, because David's other question is about how much the Bills should regret by not resigning Stefan Gilmore a few years ago. My short answer is nothing. And I'd like to say that's because they drafted Trey White and have now re-signed him to a four-year deal worth $75 million, 55 guaranteed. Uh, He will be the highest-paid cornerback by guaranteed money and annual average value through 2024. He will be 29 the next time he is a free agent, provided the Bills let him go. And I will say that the other thing I saw was Spotrek said that his his value, his market valuation, whatever they do, was $17.1 million a year, and he's getting seventeen point six. And at half a million dollars a year, that's probably the price of doing business to, to, to get him to not shop. Um, and that seems incredibly reasonable to me. And the Bills, I mean, even though they're thin at corner, they've got their lockdown corners. And so, I mean, they have their lockdown corner, and they have good safeties, and, you know— does Stefan Gilmore make them better? Absolutely. But how many lockdown corners can you possibly have on one team anyway? Um, that's 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 where I'm at. I'm sort of much more excited about the team financially and uh, going forward without having paid Stefan Gilmore. And I feel like at corner, you're not really in the same spot that you would be if you had signed him. Because I think you don't have the Trey White money now to, to lock him down. And so you're playing him provided he even plays this year, because, of course, he could op- have opted out this year, uh, you know, you're, you're basically at the end of his rookie deal coming up. So that's my question. That's my answer to David. Paul, why don't you start this time? Yeah. Let's talk about the deal and answering David's question regarding corner depth. Yeah, and well, I'll start with, with David's questions and, and work into it. I would say, you know, it would have been great. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. They were in such a cap mess back when Gilmore became a free agent. If they'd had better contracts on the books, absolutely. If you could have a Gilmore-White tandem, I mean, you're not doing anything in the passing game against this defense, period. And with Hyde and Poyer as your safeties. Uh, yeah, so I think there's probably some regret, but the problem is when the opportunity came up to re-sign him and with what the Patriots offered and what the Bills had available, uh, it just wasn't there. And truthfully, if you're Stephon Gilmore and the money's equal, you're going to go to New England, where you had, at that point, certainly a much better chance to win a Super Bowl, which he did, uh, and to develop. So, um, so yeah, I think there's regret there, but I can't really fault uh, you know, the Bills at that time. Well, I can fault the Bills at that time for getting themselves in that situation. The white signing, I think this is just... I've been weighing this for a while. Okay, so when you're when you're a Trey White's perspective, you now have, as Frank mentioned, you have the highest uh, guaranteed money ever given to a cornerback. You have the highest annual average value given to a cornerback, and you de- and you deserve to be, in my opinion, based on your age, the top paid cornerback in the league for how quickly you've developed into an All-Pro cornerback. And guess what? If he's a Darrell Rivas type, who's going to be a few, you know, we're way jumping the gun here, but a future Hall of Famer guy who can be effective well into his 30s, he'll hit free agency again when he's 29, and he can cash in a second time. That's why this is great for for him. For the Bills, 
you finally, finally found a superstar first round draft pick and got him onto a second contract. And not only that, you get him on a second contract that's fairly front loaded. So even though that hit's going to, it will spread out a bit, they're taking the biggest hit in the years where they have some cap space to do it. Uh, over the cap doesn't have his his new salary yet. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on on what the official you know word is on how it's going to be spread out. But they do that. They keep him in the organization. Um, and, you know, you've now you've essentially said where you're you're going to at best be able to pick on one cornerback for the next five for the next five seasons until unless uh, Trey's not healthy. So and it sends a great message in that locker room like, hey, we've been preaching this process since day one. This was the first person that we drafted. He is exemplary of what the process should be on and off the field with his level of intelligence, with his work ethic, uh, and with his athletic ability. Also, just great personality to have in that locker room, I can imagine, mm-hmm. uh, based on knowing Trey White. And he says, now this is what happens when you do that. We're going to make you the highest paid player at your position in the league. Do this. And hey, even if we're not the ones that pay you, someone else is going to you know, be able to pay you. So I think this is just a great signing on both both fronts. Scott? Sorry, yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think I've got too much else to say. I mean, yeah, the, the White Gilmore thing, like, ultimately, like, you know, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it would be perfect to have them both on the same team, but it, it's that, that very rarely, I think, do you, do you get as much return on investment as you think you would by having kind of two, like, all pro performers at the same position, even if they can be on the field at the same time, like, rarely is that as effective, like the multiplier aspect that you think you'd get is not actually there. Um, so I think that's part of the, um, that's part of the issue. And, and, you know, yeah, you're, you were always going to have to, if we had kept him, then we'd be at the point where we either extend Gilmore or we, or we put white on anyway. So, um, and you'd, you'd be in the same boat here. We'd rather go with white because Gilmore presumably is on the downslope. So, but yeah. And then on the contract, it's the same thing that, you know, it's not, I don't have any, any huge concerns. I mean, obviously it's a lot of money, but you know, you have to, um, you have to spend the money as it were, you know, this isn't, you know, you have the salary cap, but you have to, you can't get by without spending it somewhere. So you have to choose where you're going to spend it intelligently. And you do need to set, you need to, to, um, you need to spend it somewhere. So Trey is as good a place to spend it as anywhere. And um, so, yeah, I approve. Very good. Um, well, then I'm glad we're it's well, it's refreshing, isn't it, to like have a contract where it's there's almost no argument about it. Right. Like we've had contracts where it's like debatable, like maybe the person got a little bit too much money, but they were good. We've had other contracts that are like, what the fuck are they thinking? We've had players leave. I feel like, you know, Gilmore leaving was hard because he was an excellent cornerback um, at, at that moment. But uh, as Paul says, it wasn't the right time for the Bills to do that. And to sort of sort of have like, you know, by many metrics, the best cornerback in the league or one of and then to pay him as such. It feels kind of nice, right? It, it works out for everybody, and that's pretty great. Uh, have we we've handled the listeners' questions? Yeah, I think there was one Greg might have had. I want to make sure we address Greg's first question, but I think we might have addressed. Are you surprised Fromm is still on the roster? You know, I think yes and no. It, with his history of the things that he said, it was certainly concerning. They did say he was going to have to address the locker room about them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the locker room accepted him in that regard. I'm a little more surprised because by all accounts, Davis Webb outplayed him in the part of training camp the media were allowed to see. But of course, they only saw so much and the Bills figured out what the heck. I think in a COVID season, when you have 70 people literally in a locker room uh, and Lord, God forbid, to you have a quarterback room. If multiple people in that room get, you know, COVID-19, four quarterbacks is not a bad thing to have in the organization. So I'm I'm fine with him being there. Yeah. As long no. as the Bills players are fine with him being there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a strange year, to say the least. Uh, and speaking of that strange year, it's time, whether you're ready or not, it's time for us to talk about this season because it's here. Uh, I have no idea how long the season will last, um, but we're going to talk about the first four games. As we do, we take the season quarterly. Um, at the beginning of the year, we do two things. We we try and and farm out a quick prediction as to where we think the Bills will end up 
uh, for the end of the year, and then we we actually pick the first four games softly, uh, and then after we do this day in Bill's headlines, um, we will in fact talk about the Jets game a little more in depth and give it our official Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock pick, our Orange Cassidy Freshly Squeezed pick. Um, but just to remind you, so let's let's do the season first and. I will quickly go through the schedule. So as I'm going through it, gentlemen, get yourself a, a number of wins total here. But you've got home against the Jets, Road Dolphins, home Rams, Road Raiders, uh, Road Titans, home against the Chiefs, home Road Jets, home against the Patriots, home against the Seahawks, Road against the Cardinals. You've got the home game against the Chargers, uh, a road game against the Niners, a home game against the Steelers a road game against the Broncos, a home and uh, sorry, a road game against the Patriots and you finish at home against the Dolphins. There's a total of 16 games played in an NFL season. Um, Scott, why don't you tell me how many of those games you think the Bills will win this year? Uh, Initial tough. impression. It, it is tough. It's tough because the, the team is better than last year. The The schedule is the schedule is tougher. It is. Yes. There's a lot of, you know, home versus home versus Kansas City. Mm-hmm. That's the game that those are going to oh, lose. Oh, you've you've got you've got the home away now, right, Scott? Yeah, he's well <laughs> in the UK. It's switched for him, so now <laughs> oh, he's okay. all set. It took a while for me to figure that out. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, away against the Niners, that's probably going to be a loss. Like I love this team. I, li- I like what they're doing with it, but that's probably a loss. Um, you know, obviously. The, the Pats now, a couple weeks ago, this was like, oh, well, we might actually, uh, you know, call it one for the Pats and maybe go for two, um, even even as much as our all kind of deep-seated psychosis about playing but, Bill Belichick right. for eight, but now with Cam Newton, it's like, that's not, uh, you know, that away game against the Pats, that's, that's not looking great either right now. Mm. Um, so I'm... The Titans away game, like we beat them last year, but that was not without Tannehill. So I say there's at least four or five losses out here. There's seven or eight solid wins. I will put it at, I'll put it at, I'll put it at ten, somewhere in the somewhere in the area of ten. All right, Paul, how to do it? So you're saying ten? You wouldn't be surprised by nine. You wouldn't be surprised by eleven. Twelve or eight would get your notice. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I might end up falling in the same range as Scott. I I would I'm going to say 11. I think they're going to win more of these these up in the air games than we would uh, traditionally expect based on what we've seen over the team mm-hmm. for much of the last two decades. If they win, yeah, eight or less, I will be uh, I'll be pretty shocked by that. If they win 12 or more, I will be uh, blown away. <laughs> um, I'd be overly pleasantly surprised with that. So yeah, I don't want to add too much because I think Scott Scott's opinion and mine just gel pretty well there. Yeah, I I, I would like to remark that for nine years now we've been doing this pot or eight years or nine years nine years because nine, like, ninth keep, season. Yep. I keep getting this confused, but we've been doing this for nine years, and I'd say of those nine years, eight of them, seven to eight of them. Uh, we're, was us literally all picking seven wins, um, and, saying, and, and often being right, <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, being like, they could accidentally get nine or eight. They, it would not really shock me if they won five or six and I'm going to pick seven because, because Dick Geron, that's why. Um, and so, y- you know, I think that's really a remarkable statement about the team that 10 seems to be the not the maybe not the ceiling but the opening salvo and i think that's a very fair opening salvo i think i'm more with paul i am more likely to say 11 to 12 wins i really do think that this team um look i'm drinking the kool-aid i think they have the eye of the tiger i'm with paul i think they get i think that they beat some of these i think they win more of these toss-up games than we're used to i think that um they and that's a that's a lot right and you you start looking at like man you could really double up on the jets and dolphins and maybe take one from the patriots i mean you're looking at you you got to get four to five wins in the division like they need to be competing for the division because no other team really here is establishing themselves talent wise 
You know, even the Patriots who who have added Cam Newton and have guys like Stephon Gilmore, you know, lots of people are opting out of that team. And, you know, I don't know that they're going to be the same team. I think that there's going to be really fun games like the, I think the Chiefs game and the 49ers games are, the, are, are, I'm with Scott, those are the absolute test games. Like, let's see how really good we are, like Super Bowl, AFC East, or sorry, AFC Championship caliber games in a way. Um, I think teams like... I mean, I yeah, think, those are the two Super Bowl teams, so yeah. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And then you look at like like the Seahawks game and the Steelers game with Ben Roethlisberger this year, and, and you say, okay, these are... These are are much more of like the what are you made of games? You know, can you go into, you know, can you host the Steelers and and, and host the Seahawks and handle business against teams that might, you know, certainly have better quarterbacks and can put together a better game and aren't strangers to winning on the road. And I think that they can do that 11 times. I do. I think that there are still some weak spots on the schedule. You know, I think a team like the Rams is ripe for the picking. I think a team like the Raiders isn't particularly good. You know, I'd be I'm, I'm really excited not excited for the titans but like let's see if ryan Tannehill can do it again kind of things you know like you do have games like the cardinals what are the chargers going to be so on the whole i am pretty um pretty pretty optimistic despite the slightly harder schedule there's still enough teams that they should be stacking wins and in the interest of talking about stacking wins let's talk about the let's talk about the first quarter here uh um, you know what? No, we usually do that, and then we come back to whatever the week one game is. Let's save that all for the end. We'll talk about the Jets game, and we'll talk about the next three weeks, and we'll get our quarterly predictions in at the end of the podcast. What I'd like to do now, let's turn to this day in Bill's history. Um, excuse me, this day in Bill's headlines, and uh, we'll we'll do that. And then at the end, we'll we'll, we'll talk about these first four games uh, a little more in earnest. Since I don't know, I don't really know how to preview a Jets game when. When we haven't even seen the Jets, so go ahead, Paul. Yeah, not, not much of a preseason for us to to draw from this year. Um, yeah, so we're gonna go back to September 6, which is the day we are recording, and we're gonna, as it is true, we'll do the usual 10 questions. We're gonna have seven for more recent years, and then three on what I consider kind of landmark seasons for the the Bills that that in certain ways relate to the, you know our thoughts on this season. So. <laughs> Starting with 2019. All right. Sunday's season opener will put Josh Allen in blank's line of fire. Says the book on blank is he likes to play a lot of cover two, two deep safeties, and Tampa two, too deep with the middle linebacker dropping to intermediate middle on early downs. The way to attack that is efficient possession passing. Can Allen accurately execute that game and a good running game? Jets head coach. Uh, jerky McSuckhead. <laughs> uh, it is it is a coach of the Jets, but it is not their head coach. There uh, is a Bills connection here. So not Rex Ryan. I feel like I would have right. really, really remembered that. So was... Adam Gase is the head coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't make sense for Gase to have a Tampa too because he's an offensive coach. So it would have been the Jets' probable defensive coordinator, which is, what did you say, Frank, again? Jerky McJerkface. But he did say Rex Ryan, and Frank I, is I, on the. There's let's put it this way. There's logic in the where Frank was going. Oh, so so Perry Fuel, Dick Geron. Yeah, right. So we defensive a coach of some sort. I don't. Yeah. Mean, Just uh, keep going back, Frank. You're gonna get Bills there. Bills defensive coordinator. Greg Dave Williams. Phillips, Greg, Greg Williams. Williams. Scott there we go. Minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, still for the New York Jets, who they'll be facing on Sunday, as we've discussed. All right. 2018. This one's fairly straightforward, but it's just sad. Uh, Bill's Bill's blank. Obvious choice for starting QB. Bill's. What year was this? 2018. Two years ago. I was Nathan Nathan Peterman. Peterman. Yep. I was yeah. literally sitting in the Frankfurt airport waiting to on our transfer to uh, to Barcelona and like, oh, I can't wait to see this this game. And yeah, that, that was the there Peterman was some, game. There was some spot track tweet about how he, Nathan Peterman, has one million dollars guaranteed this year and Cam Newton has a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee. Yeah, I <laughs> hope Cam, I hope Cam Newton makes more money than Peterman this year, just because it that indicates a level of justice in the world. Yeah, right. All right. 
Uh, speaking of QBs, good luck on this one. You maybe maybe you'll do better than I did. 2017 Bill Shuffle roster QB blank to injured reserve. Tarod Taylor reportedly cleared from concussion. I can uh, give some hints, which will help, because the silence indicates that you guys are as clueless as I was on this one. This, this was this, a... This is EJ or Cobb? Is that what we're talking about here? This was, no, EJ's gone by this point, so it's not him. Give me the year again, right? Is It's not 2017. Kyle. Is that Jack. year we're just talking about? Is the playoff yeah. year? Yeah. Right. So, so this was a... a he he'd agreed to an injury settlement. Uh, so he was on injured reserve. He agreed to an injury settlement was released on September 12th. So 11 days after this headline off Bill's IR, he signed with Houston for the third time. He started three games, lost them all and finished his NFL career uh, is uh, four and six as a starting QB. He's now the Texans quarterbacks coach. Man, that's a that's a fucking fall. For, pardon my language. A fall from grace to be a quarterbacks coach. Like <laughs> two years ago, you were okay. Yeah. So not he was, Nathan uh, he was a Houston fifth round pick in 2011. He actually won a playoff game for the Texans his rookie season. Like, is it like I want to say like Ryan? TJ Yates. TJ Yates. That's one yes. of the Jays. Good job. There we go. Something, Once you said Houston, I knew I was. All right, you guys are off to a good start. By the way, the 2015 headline, which I won't go into, had to do with Matt Castle being cut. And I didn't remember the Bills cut him and then re-signed him. Then he technically started game one. That's when they right. Put Ty- Tyrod out wide. All right, 2016, Blank's unexpected rise gives Bills added weapon. It says, what unfolded Bills training camp was almost shocking. Day after day, Blank was making plays. He was in sync with the quarterbacks. His route running was sharp. He was getting separation, and he was executing his assignments consistently, even when he wasn't targeted. Corey Bohork was. Yeah, the rare punter <laughs> wide receiver, yes. Yeah, no. Um, so this is the list of this list of training camp. This is, yeah, camp. but this is actually a real wide receiver. He, uh, he was entering, I will, the first thing he is entering his fourth and final season with the Bills at that point. You have to say the year again. You say the year sure. first. And then I always forget <laughs> by the time I've listened to everything. Go ahead. This year, this was in 2016. Okay, 2016. Yep. And he had three seasons then with another team, which I'll give is the final hint, uh, one of which was very productive, a nearly 1,000-yard season. Uh, and then he signed with the Eagles this offseason, but opted out. 2013 round three pick out of Texas. Wide receiver out of Texas. Mm. Oh, um, um, shit. Nope, not shit. A it guy is. you really want with you in your long jump competition. Yes, Marquis Goodwin. Marquis Goodwin. There, there it go. is, right. Good yeah. job. I was like, yeah, is a big nice guy or a fast guy? And I'm like, I don't think it's a big guy. It's no, we've never had a big guy work out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goodwood at least put up okay numbers for a round three pick for four years before he and he and I say he broke through with San Francisco. He really just had the one good season and then struggled with injuries just like he did with the Bills. Yeah. All right. 2013. Safety blank, an experienced addition. He says, I'm trying to get in here and find a role in the defense and get out there and make plays. That's what they brought me here for, blank, 30 years old, told BuffaloBills.com. They brought me in for leadership and knowledge of the system. I've produced in the system. I love these coaches and I believe in what they're saying. I hope we can get everyone on board. Hmm. So in 2013, he did end up playing. Um, you know, I'll give the full history here to help you guys out. Picked by the Bills as an undrafted free agent in 2005. Is Jim, Leonard? Jim Leonard. Good. Good job, Scott. Because my last 10, if you guys struggled, was he's a defensive coordinator for Wisconsin. And then, <laughs> then you would have been embarrassed. But you no embarrassment. You just got it immediately. All right. 2008. Uh, this is I, I couldn't help but put this one in here just because it's timely. Bill's writer walks fine line. A journalist or broadcaster covering the team might envy Blank's access, but there is a trade-off. Blank draws a paycheck from the Bills, so he can't exactly be an independent voice in the way he writes about the team. Chris Brown. Chris Brown, who was suspended. We didn't even. It was such a loaded pod last time. We didn't even talk about how he was suspended by the team for. What for did he do? What I, 
he revealed this some innocuous information in my mind about the number of snaps that certain players were getting in practice and who mm-hmm. was playing ahead of whom. And it's like, this is stuff we would all know if there was a preseason going on right now, or if there was more reporter access to practice, but apparently they didn't like him disclosing that. And he took about a 10 day suspension Damn. with the team. So he's back. He came back this week, but yeah, that was, that was pretty ridiculous. Also a good spot to mention. Steve Tasker will be on the radio instead of Eric Wood this year talking uh-huh. about Bill's team news um not much else to add there nope that's the tasker siren going off in the background Woo! 2003 blank raises anticipation for latest bledsoe bowl blank a four-time pro bowler with the patriots signed with the bills thursday and is likely to make his buffalo debut sunday against new england in a poetic justice sort of season opener for both teams oh yeah i know who this is i can't think of who it is uh 2003 defensive player no 2003 yeah lawyer no lawyer was it really i thought he was already on the team by then okay it was 03 it was right before the season started the bills of course destroyed new england 31 to nothing and i think the bills won the super bowl that year i don't remember what happened after Mm -hmm. that that season but uh that's what we'll assume either that or they ended up losing 31 nothing to the patriots later (laughs) Uh, yeah, I remember. I think Travis Brown was in that game by the end. That was just 2003 was that bookend 31 nothing season. Mm-hmm. All right. 1995. This is the first of our three significant years. This was the last time the Bills won a division title. It says the headline is fatherhood matures Jim Kelly. Uh, I won't go into the full description, but it says the greatest quarterback in Buffalo Bills history has been humbled by four consecutive Super Bowl losses and a losing season last year. At age 35, he chooses his words wisely before they leave his mouth. Jim Kelly has matured. He was the only quarterback in the league that used to have a press conference to clear up what he said at the last press conference. (laughs) Bills blank said, uh, you know, uh, it's true. Now he's smooth as silk. Uh, and so this is a player that had played with Jim Kelly throughout the entirety of Jim Kelly's career at this point. And then I'll give more hints if needed. So it's a player. Player, yep. I couldn't give the position because it would I think it would make it obvious. So it's got to be one of the good players. It's got to be, you know. Um, well, OK, you know, Kent Hull might be able to get away with something like that. I'm going to guess Kent Hull. Kent's a good guess. What do you think, Scott? Uh, what's the year again? Sorry. 95. 95. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Reed, maybe? Andre know. Reed's a good guess. It is Bill's special teams ace. Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker. Okay, yeah, so this was the better place to mention that Steve Tasker will be... Right. You know, I thought when you said that, I'm like, oh boy, this is uh, you know. Nice job, Frank. Jeez. Really uh, Another interesting tidbit from that article said a recent poll of voters determined Kelly was among the long shots to be enshrined in Canton. Uh, interested in why they thought he was a long shot at that point. He obviously is probably is, because they were still sour from him losing Super Bowls, right? So probably. it was like, oh, can you make it if you're a, a you know a, a Super Bowl loser, which is yep. like a totally stupid way to think about it, but yeah. Uh, all right. So 1990, this is chosen for being the Bills first Super Bowl season. So 30 years ago today, the headline is new leaders emerging as Bills become team in harmony. This is a Vic Carucci article who left the Buffalo News and came back to the Buffalo News. Uh, it has been said that the offseason departures of nose tackle Fred Smurlis and offensive lineman Joe Devlin left the Bills with a serious leadership void. Indeed, reporters constantly ask Levy, as well as others on and around the team, who the new leaders are. The names most frequently mentioned are, and these are four names. Again, if you can name three, it will, you know, you get credit. The positions are offensive lineman, wide receiver, linebacker, and defensive back. Okay. So linebacker Cornelius Bennett. Good guess, but not correct. Okay. Daryl Talley. Daryl Talley. Okay. Um, uh, Wide receiver. I think you want to say Andre Reed, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say Don Beebe. It is a wide receiver. It is not one of those two. Ah, okay. Lofton was on the team at that Lofton. point. Right? Yeah, no, he was Lofton. newly on the team, and he'd been, he'd been in Green Bay for a while. Yep, yep. Yeah, this was going to be his first. Veteran. So veteran presence, right? Absolutely. Yep. First full um, season with the team was 1990, so that's right. 
And then, okay, the other two, you need an offensive lineman who I think you'll get, and then a defensive back who's going to be more of a challenge. But you know the name. Uh, defensive back Kirby Jackson? No, Kirby, Kirby Jackson. Was good, was he was on the team. That was yeah, not okay. a bad guess. You started that um, year. Mark Kelso. You've named two of the four starters uh, from the secondary that year. Henry Jones. Uh, not quite on the team yet. I'll yeah, give not the, on the, team yet. The, the one who it's not is Nate Odoms. So it's Nate Odoms, Odoms and, and Kirby Jackson. Then you had Kelso, and this guy was the other safety. He, oh, used, to, he used to shave a Bills logo into his head. I can see his head now, and I can't <laughs> think of his name, and I apologize because those teams were obviously precious to me. But, um, okay, so, and then the other. Leonard the, Smith, Jim Leonard Smith. Leonard Smith, Smith right. Yep, and then so the. One uh, more offensive lineman. We've already mentioned his name on this pod. Kent Hull. Okay. Kent Hull. I was going to say, it's hard to be like, if you're, if you're the center and not a leader, that's a trouble. Um, there's another tidbit from this article, which I will talk about very quickly post pod because it's a, it's it's way too deep to dive down during the podcast. All right, 1980. Uh, this was when they snapped their. This is the final one. 1980, they'd snapped their 14-year division title draft 40 years ago uh, this season. So this is the eve of the season opener, and the Syracuse Post Standard headline was "Remember Way Back When," and the article discuss something that the Bills had last done on November 16th of 1969, and the Bills would do it again the next day in their season opener. Do you know what that is? I feel like you either this either hit you immediately oh, it's got to be the unassisted triple play that they obviously... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go with... Uh, with... Uh, Shut out on the season opener. Shut out is a good guess, but in fact, today was the end of uh, what was really the streak. The Bills had gone 0 for the 1970s against the Miami Dolphins, losing 20 straight games. No team has done it before, and no team has done it since. And the Bills opened the 1980 season, trailing 7 to 3 after three quarters against the Dolphins. Then Roosevelt League scored on a four-yard pass from Joe Ferguson to give Buffalo the lead. They got a two-yard run by rookie Joe Cribbs. They won 17-7. The fans stormed the field and tore down the goalpost as the Bills ended a 20-game 0-for-the-1970s losing streak against Miami Dolphins. And that was the stay in Bills headlines for September 6th. Hurrah! Ended not on a positive, for once. It's a, col- a college atmosphere in Buffalo. Yeah. Nobody died this week in the headlines. So, nope. and there were a couple I could have picked who died, and I did not. So, kudos to me. Kudos to you. <laughs> also, kudos to the Bills who are embarking upon this season, my friends. Um, home against the Jets this week. Uh, Dolphins, Rams, and Raiders. So, this is how we're going to do it. Uh, we are going to allow each of you, the two of you to discuss briefly what your picks are for the Dolphins, Rams, and Raiders games, and then discuss the Jets game and give me your, your so both your Jets actual, you know, locked-in pick as well as your first quarter prediction here. Um, I feel like that Paul needs a little break here, Scott. So maybe, you. Scott, you I'm could... Guzzling you my could, water, so I appreciate Very it. good. I feel like, Scott, maybe you could take the, the lead here um, and cover oh, for the, oh, for the week... Recovery. His yeah. Efforts. Well, he's he's a very weak man, so it's you know, he, he needs <laughs> not <the> arguing help. <laughs> that. Uh, the yeah, so dolphins. I mean, you don't want to put that one totally in the books. Um, I mean, obviously, like it's one that the Bills should be expected to win and can win, but obviously, it is an away game, and it is a hungry Dolphins team that feels like they're on the up and come because they won five out of the last seven, I think it was coming out of last season. And they obviously have, um, uh, you know, a lot of changes on that team. I think Tua is, is supposed to start for them. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, so he'll be, so that'll be interesting to see some of the bills. Obviously we'll be seeing a lot of the next couple of years. Um, but I don't think the dolphins are going to be put it together too quickly. So I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances with that one as a bills win. And then the Rams game that, that team has a lot of talent, but at the same time, I also feel like they've gotten figured out a little bit the last two or three years. Obviously they'll be coming West to East for the one o'clock start, which is a killer. 
um, for those for those teams. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and put that as a as a as a win as well for the Bills. And then going west to the Raiders um, for the for the later start, um, that will be a little more of an interesting game. Um, Gruden's put together a little bit of an interesting team there. You're never really sure what you're going to get, but if you're the Bills and you want to win 10 games this year, you have to get that one. So I will wow. I will go ahead and out. say three and zero for the uh, the first those weeks two through four there for me. Well, that's very interesting because now, of course, you have to pick this opener at home against the Jets, and um, it's I, a I win. it's a win. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's I mean, no, I mean this was how the season was breaking down. I mean we talked about it, we didn't go into too much depth on the season, but it was easy start and then horrific middle. And then kind of a little bit of an easier end, um, but just even still, you got the Pats in there at the end. Um, so yeah, the Bills have to cash in early, and I think they can do it. I mean, the Jets, um, again, uh, uh, you know, it's a division game. You know, they st- they got the the season where they think they're gonna this is gonna work for them. Um, you know, every team gets to start out kind of thinking that stuff. Um, Darnold obviously is a guy who played well against the Bills. Not played well, but played okay enough against the Bills. Um, Le'Veon Bell, obviously a dangerous player. Um, but at the same time, this is a team that was, you know, lost Jamal Adams. Um, they will not have, uh, what's his face, the really good linebacker who was uh, injured. Mosley yeah. is out again. Um, you know, just a lot of, you know, the, the line isn't what it was, even with Clinton Williams, their pick last year. So this 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 is a uh, this is a team that's kind of not not really uh, put itself together. I think this is going to be a very sloppy game. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Obviously, these teams are just going to be putting on the pads in a real game time atmosphere for the first time, and at 100%, the bullets will, will matter at this point. So um, I think the Bills are in pretty good shape. Um, I'd be very surprised if they lost, but I could say. The sloppiness will be evident in I'm going to call it a um, uh, an 18-6 Bills win. Okay, Paul, he has thrown down the gauntlet. Well, I mean, going, Scott, Scott picks no, the Bills to start four zero every year. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I I don't think at Pittsburgh, home against New England, doesn't matter. They're going four zero. I don't think anybody in the history of this podcast has ever picked them to start four zero. And I think I could count on one hand, probably on just a handful of fingers, the number of times anybody's picked them to go four and over four and zero over any particular stretch. Probably never me. No, I think that's easily the first time you've ever done it. I think there's a chance that I have been drunk and done it once or twice. And I think that Paul in earnest may have said it once. Um, So the gauntlet is thrown. Are you willing to um, are you willing to match Scott here? Let's find out. Start with the Dolphins game. Circle back to the Jets and let's see what you got. Sure. So the Dolphins is. Uh, Scott alluded to, they have made, oh, oh, right off the bat, home field advantage, remember now, everyone, only only from a travel perspective does it matter. So I think Scott approached right. it exactly correctly with the, okay, let's look at the travel from one side of the coast to the other, because fans, not going to be a big deal. Uh, Dolphins made major offseason improvements, which Scott also mentioned. They will be starting, too, it looks like, with Fitz's mom passing away, and we're very sorry uh, to, about Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in that life. He's missed some time. They released Josh Rosen, who we all wanted to draft over Josh Allen, morons. Um, but let's be honest about the Dolphins, too. They had a lot to improve. They were a terrible team last year. I think this is a tighter game than people will expect it to be, but I think the Bills will win this. The Rams, they had a rough season last year after previously being great under uh, Sean McVay. Uh, Jared Goff seemed to take a step back, but they also had a brutal schedule or a brutal division. They are still, I think, a very good team. Uh, But I think the Bills are probably at least on par with them. And I think, as Scott noted, traveling three hours, uh, more than three hours, a three-hour time difference, traveling five-plus hours across the country on a plane uh, during a pandemic— it's 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 a tough thing to do. So I'm going to give the Bills this game to the Raiders. This is one where you could almost say the opposite. Now the Bills are the ones traveling. 
you know, the time change is definitely going to adversely affect them. They have the pandemic travel concerns. I just feel on paper they're a better team than the the Raiders by a fair bit. And, you know, maybe that's just wishful thinking. I don't know enough about as much about the Raiders as I should. Um, But just looking up and down their roster and looking at their drafts and and how they've done, they've been trending the last couple of seasons. I'm, I'm going to say they're going to beat the John Gruden led Raiders. So that leads us to my prediction against. So I also have them three and a weeks, two to four. Now the, the big prediction uh, they play the Jets seven days from today, one week from today. As Frank noted, a week from now, we should all know for sure how this game is going. It will have gone. Um, I was uh, mentioned months ago, I thought the Jets had done a decent job of, you know, retooling in the offseason, of getting some more protection for Sam Darnold. Uh, and, of, you know, uh, you know, they, they did OK in the draft. Of course, you never know that until a few years out. But, you know, Mosley's out, as is, is Scott mentioned. Jamal Adams was traded away. And let's not forget that the Jets are the dumpster fire that the Bills were for so many years in terms of organizational management. Uh, they are not quite Jaguars level, but they are, they are not good in that regard. And as a result, uh, Scott picked that close, sloppy 18-6 to 6 game, which is totally logical and rational based on the fact that, you know, neither team has had any live game action. Um, 31 to nine Buffalo. <laughs> I, say, I say this is not close. I say every, despite all the things that the Jets allegedly did, this Bills team is just very well in sync. They're, they're well managed. They are more, above all, more talented. They will be putting a more talented team on the field than the Jets will. And I don't think this game is going to be close. And as terrifying as this is to say, and as much as I feel like I don't want to do it because I, it feels like an overreaction to what we expect this team to be, I, like Scott, am starting them 4-0 to, to begin the 2020 season. This is wild. I don't think there has been ever two – there's never been two people that both no. said 4-0. Never. And I would like to remind you, Paul last year was far and away the prediction champion. He was like 14 and and two or something in predicting results of games last year. So that it bodes well for the Bills team here. Um, I have a lot of broad strokes with the both of you. I think the quick reminder, of course, the Dolphins will be having some fans in the stands. I think it's roughly 10,000, which, you know, is a smattering. It's it, it ought not to be a a uh, problem no, from no the impacts. From yeah, that. it shouldn't be like I can't hear what it is, but, it, you know, uh, good for them. I hope they in, enjoy their time. And of course, there's no, there is no doubt in my mind that between Bills fans that live in Florida and insane Bills fans that are willing to travel to Florida at this point, a good number of them will be Bills fans somehow, some way. Um, Which, just to be clear, you should not be doing in a pandemic. Please do no, not. And if you drive. do, yeah. <laughs> and if you do, you have to stay. At, you have to quarantine for 14 days when you get home to New York. Please follow the guidelines in New York State. We have enough stuff going on. There, my home city of Rochester is really hurting right now, and I don't need your dumb ass fucking going to Wegmans next to my mom and getting her sick. Okay, so keep away from my parents and my sister. Have fun, quarantine, and go Bills. Okay, uh, Bills are going to beat the. I, I believe the Dolphins. I'm also with the Rams. I think the Rams have been figured out. I think Paul said that exactly perfectly. I'm ready to pick them against the Rams. If I am going to pick a game then to lose, it is the on the road against the Raiders. It's a 4:25 start, uh, which is actually a 1:30 start. And there, no, it's actually a, it's actually yeah, it's a 1:30 start uh, locally. Uh, and I, I think that if there is a weird goose egg uh, kind of uh, butt fumble to happen, I think it's against the Raiders. I think the Raiders have constantly been a weird team for the Bills in these situations where they like. You, the number of times I've seen them lose to Raiders get, teams that they should have beat is too many. Um, so I am going to be the downer here. I am going to be the downer and say that the Bills, in fact, lose to the Raiders in the game that they should beat. And hopefully that propels them further in the season to pull their their, their shit together. Um, uh, I have them beating the Jets. They're a six and a half point favorite at home. Uh, I will split the difference, but to be honest, I am a lot closer than Paul because not because it won't be a sloppy game, Scott. I think that there is a team that is more focused on fundamentals and the day to day. I I am 
drinking the Kool-Aid. I think that they are all ready to do their singular jobs. Uh, that The players seem to understand that they have something special there. Um, I've been really encouraged by the way the wide receivers seem thrilled by the fact that Stefan Diggs is there. I It's like Cole Beasley is out here talking about how I'm no longer interested in my individual stats. I literally just want to catch the ball and, and help this team. Um, I think John Brown's in that position. Uh, you know, there, I think Zach Moss might be a secret weapon against these Jets. And, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into a preseason scrimmage where where the Bills offense did very well and, and the Jets offense did terrible. But if there's a team that's incredibly disorganized, um, and I think if there is a, ever been a week one where that could be exacerbated, it is week one after no preseason in a pandemic with no fans on the road against a very talented team that seems to take all of those things seriously. And so I am ready to pick the Bills. Um, I think I think uh, probably something more like 24 to 3. I think I think the Bills... Um, shut down the Jets more and maybe don't quite as score as much as Paul says. But I think it's a multiple score game. I'm betting the Bills heavy over um, in this case. Uh, not that I would advise you to because I don't know that I am qualified to tell you how to do that. But I'm picking the Bills 3-1. and one, And when we get to the Raiders game, I may very well be made changing my mind and making it um, for nothing. As you hear the... Oh, there you go, guys. It's the ice cream truck coming by, which <laughs> means the end of our podcast. It's uh, Sunday afternoon, and if you would like some ice cream, email us at bbillsmny uh, at, gmail, at gmail.com or tweet us mnybills at, on Twitter or facebook.com slash bbillsmny. Let me know what ice cream I can pick up for you next Sunday, and I will. Um, going forward, it is going to be interesting. Scott, Paul, and I have not figured out the particulars about when we podcast. We want to podcast after a football game. Um, we may take a Bills and Beers approach, shout out to them, and podcast directly after a football game if that's what works best. We may be a little spotty during the week since we are bringing you an international flavor. But sure enough, you will get a podcast weekly from us about the Bills, what they did, um, and hopefully it will it will resonate um, well enough for you coming into the following week. Um, those are some of the ways to get a hold of us. iTunes, just search Buffalo Bills maybe next year. Tell a friend, give us a good rating. We really do appreciate you all listening. Uh, we hope that we are about to embark upon a really good Bills season. I mean, as you can tell, we're we're optimistic. Um, and and uh, we didn't even talk about whether the pan- next week we should talk about how far into the season before there's a big pandemic problem. Um, and, and, and some of that stuff, because, you know, we're really just sort of trying to focus on uh, the positives of football this week and the and the I don't know. I have not been excited about sports this year. And this is this is the most excited I've been about sports all year. And I have no right to be. There's no reason. <laughs> there's no re like nothing's changed with the pandemic that makes me feel better mm-hmm. about it. Um, I just am sort of ready for something good to happen. And I'm hopeful that this is the, that, that this is the time and the place. So um, thank you all for listening. Until next week, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Night and good luck, everyone.